Father God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Gracias, gracias, gracias. Lord, thank you for helping us grow along with you, with your word. Put in your will. Let your will be done, Lord. Thy will be done, not ours, Lord. Thou is a better will than ours. It's a conservative will, long-range will. And we thank you, Father God, for being our guide here and always, Lord. So we thank you for today, for we're reading Second Samuel 18, verses 1 through 19.10. 18.1 through 19.10. David now mustered the men who were with him and appointed generals and captains to lead them. He sent the troops out in three groups, placing one group under Joab, another Joab's brother, Abishai, son of Sariah, and one under Utai, the man from God. The king told his troops, I am going out with you, but his men objected strongly. You must not go, they urged. If we have to turn and run, and even if half of us die, it will make no difference to Absalom's troops. They will be looking only for you. You are worth 10,000 of us, and it's better that you stay here in the town and send help if we need it. If you think that's the best plan, I'll do it. The king answered, so he stood alongside the gate of the town, as the, all the troops marched out in groups of hundreds and of thousands. And the king gave this command to Job, Abishanati, for my sake, <clears throat> deal gently with young Absalom. And all the troops heard the king give this order to his commanders. So the battle began in the forest of Ephraim, and the Israelite troops were beaten back by David's men. There was a great slaughter that day, and 20,000 men lay down their lives. The battle raged all across the countryside, and more men died because of the force than were killed by the sword. During the battle, Absalom happened to come up upon David's men. He tried to escape in his mule, but as he rode beneath the thick branches of a great tree, his hair got caught in the tree. His mule kept going and left him dangling in the air. One of David's men saw what had happened and told Job, I saw Absalom dangling with a great in the, from a great tree. What? Joab demanded, you saw him there and didn't kill him? I would have rewarded you with ten pieces of silver and a hero's belt. I would not kill the king's son for even a thousand pieces of silver, the man replied to Joab. We all heard the king say to you, and Abishai and Ida, for my sake, please spare young Absalom. And if I had betrayed the king by killing his son, and the king will certainly find out who did it, you yourself will be the first to abandon me. <laughs> Pretty smart, huh? Enough of this nonsense, Joab said. Then he took three daggers and plunged them into Absalom's heart as he dangled still alive in the great tree. Ten of Joab's young armor bearers then surrounded Absalom and killed him. Then Joab blew the ram's horn, and his men returned from chasing the army of Israel. They threw Absalom's body into a deep pit in the forest and piled a great heap of stones over it, and all Israel fled to their homes. And during his lifetime, Absalom had built a monument to himself in the King Valley, for he said, I have no son to carry on my name. He named the mountain after himself, and it is known as 
Absalom's mountain to this day. Monument. Then Sadak, son of Ahimaaz, said, Let me run to the king with good news that the Lord has rescued him from his enemies. No, Joas told him, it would be good news to the king that his son is dead. You can be my messenger another time, but not today. Then Joab said to a man from Ethiopia, Go tell the king what you have seen. The man bowed and ran off. But Ahimaaz continued to plead with Joab, Whatever happens, please let me go too. Why should you go, my son? Joab replied. There will be no reward for your news. Yes, but let me go anyway, he begged. Joe finally said, All right, go ahead. So Ahimaaz took the less demanding route by way of the plain and ran to Mahanaim ahead of the Ethiopian. While David was sitting between the inner and outer gates of the town, the watchman climbed to the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked, he saw a lone man running towards him. He shouted the news down to David, and the king replied, Is he alone? He has news. And the messenger came closer. The watchman saw another man running towards them, and he shouted, Here comes another one. The king replied, He also will have news. The first man runs like Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, the watchman said. He is a good man and comes with good news, the king replied. Then Ahimaaz cried out to the king, Everything is all right. He bowed before the king with his face to the ground and said, Praise the Lord your God, who has handed over the rebels who dared to stand against my lord the king. What about young Absalom, the king demanded. Is he all right? Ahimaaz replied, When Joab told me to come, there was a lot of commotion, but I didn't know what was happening. Wait here, the king told him, so Ahimaaz stepped aside. Then the man from Ethiopia arrived said, I have good news for my lord the king. Today the Lord has rescued you from all those who rebelled against you. What about young Absalom, the king demanded. Is he all right? And the Ethiopian replied, May all of your enemies, my lord, the king, bow both now and in the future, shall share the fate of that young man. The king was overcome with emotion. He went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. And as he went, he cried, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. O oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Word soon reached Joab that the king was weeping and mourning for Absalom. <clears throat> As all the people heard of the king's deep grief for his son, the joy of the day's victory was turned into deep sadness. They crept back into the town that day as though they were ashamed and had deserted in battle. The king covered his face with his hands and kept on crying, O oh, my son, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joah went to the king's room and said to him, We save your life today and the lives of your sons and daughters and your wives and concubines. You act like this, making us feel ashamed of ourselves. You seem to love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that your commanders and truths mean nothing to you. It seems that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died, you would be pleased. Now go out there and congratulate your troops. For I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, that a single one of them will remain here tonight. Then you will be worse off than ever before. So the king went out and took his seat to the town gate. And as the news spread throughout the town that he was there, everyone went to him. Meanwhile, the Israelites who had supported Absalom 
fled to their homes, and throughout all the tribes of Israel, there was so much discussion and argument going on, the people were saying, the king rescued us from our enemies and saved us from the Philistines, but Absalom chased him out of the country. Now Absalom, whom we anointed to rule over us, is dead. Why not ask King David to come back and be our king again? Amen. Uh, <clears throat> let me read the study. Uh, why was David so upset over the death of his rebel son? First, David realized that he and his part, in part, was responsible for Absalom's death. Nathan, the prophet, had said that David's own son would rebel against him because David had killed Uriah. Second, David was angry at Joab and his officers for killing Absalom against his wishes. There are times when our duty requires us to do something that is emotionally difficult for us to do. We can follow David's example by going ahead and doing what is right. We don't need to deny how we feel, but we do need to follow the wise counsel of those who are not as wrapped up as we are in the feeling of the moment. We can find strength to go on through Jesus who suffered everything for our benefit. Amen. Amen. Want to read John? John chapter 20, verse 1 to 31. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stopped and looked stooped. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrapping lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings, the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in uh, he went in and he saw and believed, for until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead, but they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? 
She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to the Father and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them this message. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive someone's, if you forgive anyone's sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not the others was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand onto, into the wound in the side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Amen. My Lord. My Lord. And my God, Thomas exclaimed, Then Jesus told them, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs, in addition to the ones recorded in this book, but there are those are written that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. Amen. Amen. Let's read. Um, 
This is Psalm 119. 153 to 176. Amen. Pray for the fellow believers who are suffering or in need of God's rescue. Look upon my suffering and rescue me. For I have not, for I have not forgotten your, I have not forgotten your, the Lord's instructions. Argue my case, take my side, protect my life as you promised. The wicked are far more, far from rescue, for they do not bother with your decrees. Lord, how great is your mercy! Let me be revived by following your regulations. Many persecute and trouble me, yet I have not served from your loss, severed. But I have not swerved from your loss. Seeing these traitors makes me sick at heart, because they care nothing for your word. See how I love your commandments, Lord. Give back my life because of your unfailing love. Unfailing love. Uh, the very essence of your words is truth. All of your regulations will stand forever, forever. Powerful people harass me without cause, but my heart trembles only at your word. I rejoice in your word, like one who discovers a great treasure. I hate and abhor all falsehood, but I love your instructions. I will praise you seven times a day because of your regulations are just. Because all your regulations are just. Those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. I long for your rescue, Lord, so I have obeyed your command. I have obeyed your... I have obeyed your commandments and have and lost because you know everything I do. O oh Lord, listen to my cry. Give me the discerning mind you promised. Listen to my prayer. Rescue me as you promised. Let praise flow from my lips, for you have taught me your decrees. Let my tongue sing about your word, for all your commands are right. Give me a helping hand. For I have chosen to follow your commandments. O oh Lord, I have longed for your rescue. And your instructions are my delight. Let me live so I can praise you. And may your regulations help me. I have wandered away like a lost sheep. Come and find me. And I have not forgotten your commands. Proverbs chapter 16, 14 to 15. The anger of the king is, is a deadly threat. The wise will try to appease it. When the king see, smiles, there is life. But favor refreshes like a spring rain. Amen. Father God, we thank you for today's reading. Thank you, Father God, for the experiences of others. The entrance of your word gives light. And Lord, we are... Thankful 
for the entrance of your word that comes into our hearts in Jesus' life. Bless us as we read your word right now, Lord God. Thank you for today, June 2nd. 2 Samuel 19, 11-20-13 says, Then King David <clears throat> sent Sadok and Abitar, the priest, to say to the elders of Judah, Why are you the last ones to welcome back the king into his palace? For I have heard that all Israel is ready. You are my relatives, my own tribe, my own flesh, my and blood. So why are you the last ones to welcome back the king? And David told him to tell Amasa, Since you are my own flesh and blood, like Job, <clears throat> may God strike me dead and even kill me if I do not appoint you as commanders of my army in his place. Then Amasa convinced all the men of Judah, and they responded unanimously. They sent word to the king, Return to us and bring back all who are with you. So the king started back to Jerusalem, and when he arrived at the Jordan River, the people of Judah came to Gilgal to meet him and escort him across the river. Shimei, son of Gera, the man from Bahudim in Benjamin, hurried across with the men of Judah to welcome King David. A thousand other men from the tribe of Benjamin were with him, including Ziba, the chief servant of the house of Saul and Seba's fifteen sons and twenty servants. They rushed down to the Jordan to meet the king. They crossed the shallows of the Jordan to bring the king's household across the river, helping him in every way they could. As the king was about to cross the river, Shimei fell down before him. My lord, king, please forgive me, he pleaded. Forget the terrible things your servant did when you left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind. I know how much I sin. That is why I have come here today, the very first person of all Israel, to greet my lord the king. Then Abishai, son of Zariah, said, Shemel should die, for he cursed the Lord's anointed. Who asks you your opinion, you sons of... <laughs> Sariah, David exclaimed, Why have you become my adversary today? This is not a day for execution, but for celebration. Today I am once again the king of Israel. Then turning to Shimei, David Val, your life will be spared. Mm. Now Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, came down from Jerusalem to meet the king. He had not cared for his feet trimmed his beard or washed his clothes since the day the king left Jerusalem. Why didn't you come with me, Mephibosheth? The king asked him. <clears throat> Mephibosheth replied, My lord the king, my servant Ziba deceived me. I told him, Saddle my donkey so I can go with the king, for you know I am a cripple. Ziba has slandered me by saying that I refuse to come, but I know that my lord the king is like an angel of God. So do what you think is best. All my relatives and I, I could expect only death from you, my Lord. But instead, you have honored me by allowing me to eat at your own table. What more can I ask? Mm -hmm. You said enough, they replied. I decided that you and Seba would divide your land equally between you. Give him all of it, Mephibosheth said. I am content just to have you safely back again. 
my Lord, my King. Barzillaiah of Gilgah had come down from Rohilim to escort the king across the Jordan. He was very old, about 80, and very wealthy. He was the one who had provided food for the king during his stay in Mahanaim. Come across with me and live in Jerusalem, the king said to Barzillai. I will take care of you there. No, he replied. I am far too old to go with the king to Jerusalem. I am 80 years old today. <clears throat> I can no longer enjoy anything. Food and wine are no longer tasty, and I cannot hear the singers as they sing. I would only be a burden to my lord the king. Just to go across the Jordan River with the king is all the honor I need. Then let me return again to die on my own town where my father and my mother are buried. <clears throat> but here is your servant, my son, <clears throat> Kimham. Let him go with my lord, the king, and receive whatever you want to give him. <clears throat> Good, the king agreed. Kimham will go with me, and I will help him in any way you, you would like, and I will do for you anything you want. So all the people crossed the Jordan with the king. After David had blessed Basilai, and kiss him, Barzillai returned to his own home. The king then crossed over to Gilgal, taking Kimham with me. All the troops of Judah and half the troops of Israel escorted the king on his way. But all the men of Israel complained to the king, The men of Judah stole the king and didn't give us the honor of helping you take you, your household and all of your men across the Jordan. <laughs> Boy, talk about little talk about jealousy, huh? The men of Judah replied, The king is one of our own kingsmen. Why should this make you angry? Why haven't eaten why we haven't eaten any of the king's food or received any special favors? But there are ten tribes in Israel, the others replied, so we have ten times as much right to the king as you do. What right do you have to treat us with such contempt? Weren't we the first to speak of bringing him back to our king again? To be our king? <clears throat> the argument continued back and forth. <clears throat> and the men of Judah spoke even more harshly than the men of Israel. There happened to be a troublemaker there named Sheba, son of Bikri, a man from the tribe of Benjamin. Sheba blew a ram's horn and began to chant, Down with the dynasty of David! We have no interest in the son of Jesse. Come on, you men of Israel, back to your homes. So all the men of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba, son of Bikri. But the men of Judah stayed with their king and escorted him from the Jordan River, Jerusalem. When David came to his palace in Jerusalem, he took the ten concubines he had left to look after the palace and placed them in seclusion. Their needs were provided for, but no longer... He, he no longer slept with them, so each of them lived like a widow until she died. Then the king told Amasa, Mobilize the army of Judah within three days and report back at that time. So Amasa went out to notify Judah, but it took him longer than the time he had been given. Then David said to Abishai, Sheba, son of Bikri, is going to hurt us more than Absalom did. Quick, take my troops and chase after him before he gets into a fortified town where 
we can't reach him. So Abishai and Joab, together with the king's bodyguard and all the mighty warriors, set out from Jerusalem to go after Sheba. <clears throat> after they arrived at the great stone in Gibeon, Amasa met them. Joab was wearing his military tunic with a dagger strapped to his belt. As he stepped toward to greet Amasa, he slipped the dagger from his sheet. How are you, my cousin? Joab said, and took him by the beard with his right hand as though, though to kiss him. Amasa didn't notice the dagger in his left hand, and Joab stabbed him in the stomach with it so that his inside gushed out onto the ground. <clears throat> Joab did not need to strike again, and Amasa soon died. Joab and his brother Abishai left him lying there and continued after Sheba. One of Joab's young men shouted to Amasa's troops, If you are for Joab and David, come and follow Joab. But Amasa laid in his blood in the middle of the road, and Joab's men saw that everyone was stopping to, to stare at him. So he pulled him off the road in the field and threw a cloak over him. With Amasa's body out of the way, everyone went on with Joab to capture Sheba, son of Bikri. Boy, there's a lot of history, but understand that these two guys were cousins, and, and these two cousins were like the, the, the sons of a sister of David. Mm. That's how they were all related. Mm. It's interesting that the first people goes, you are my own blood. Those are the yeah. people from his mm. own town. Huh? Right. Um, and they... And then they eventually, um, so it's just a little hazy for me, who's who and who's what. But, uh, but I, I like what, that's kind of that's something I had <clears throat> highlighted back then. And then <clears throat> it jumped out to me today that, <clears throat> you know, um, you're the last ones to welcome back the king into his palace. For I heard that all of Israel is ready. You are my relatives, my own tribe, my own flesh and blood. So why are you the last ones to welcome back the king? Um, I just felt like that was uh, kind of for today, you know, for Israel today. Why are you the last ones to welcome Jesus, you know? Amen. So I thought, it's like, whoa, yeah. Thank Um, you, Holy Spirit. You teach us how to listen. Um, And and then I liked the part um, in number, uh, let's see, 15... I think it's, anyway, it starts as uh, 16, maybe 17, 18, right around there. It says, as the king was about to cross the river, she might fell down before him. My lord, the king, please forgive me. He pleaded, forget the terrible thing your servant did when you left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind. I know how much I sinned. That is why I've come here today. The very first person in all of Israel to greet my lord the king. And um, I like the way, you know, he recognizes uh, the lord. You know, this kind of means like a symbol of our lord. You know, you can come to him. You can repent. You can say, I know how much I've sinned. Please forgive me, lord. You know, and he does forgive him. He says, um, and here, today I'm once again, okay, I'm then to, um, your life will be spared. Your life will be spared, right? Uh-huh. So um, even though the other person said, you, you're cursed, you did this, you did that, you deserve to die. Um, so um, that was very interesting. And then as we get into 
Melfibachev, who was accused of not wanting to go with the king on his journey or whatever, uh, someone else said, you know, basically that, um, you know, he didn't want to go. And that didn't seem, I thought, that didn't seem to be the case, you know, that he did want to go. Because remember, he hadn't washed his clothes, he hadn't trimmed his beard, he hadn't taken care of himself, you know. And that, it, to me, is like... To me, amen, to me, he wasn't, um, he wasn't inspired, you know, uh -huh. by the things of God. Mm-hmm. He was more carnal, you know. He was uh, crippled and, and yeah. what's the use kind of deal. Yeah, but the, this cut jumped out. He recognizes, <clears throat> uh, but I know that my Lord, the King, is like an angel of God. So do what you think is best. He was... Yeah. Oh, my... But actually, actually, he said earlier, he said, now I can get my kingdom back from my father Saul. Mm. My, you know, my grandfather Saul. You know, he he wanted he wanted the people to make him king since David was gone. So he was uh, both him and Barak both are uh, are just saving their own skin. Oh, okay, you got <clears throat> that. They, they they turned against David. Barak really was throwing rocks at David. And he said, "You took," and he was cussing him up and down and mm -hmm. cursing him. <clears throat> That's why the, those guys, those military guys, wanted to kill him. Yeah, you know, it, it, but it says here. Um, I like this part. So all my relatives and I could only expect death from you, my Lord. But instead, you've honored me by allowing me to eat at your table. What more can I ask? Yes. So my my just point there is that, you know, uh, you know, the Lord allows us to come to the table. You mm -hmm. know, what more do we want? You know, like it's that one uh, parable that Jesus talks about where the king invites people to come in and eat at the table on this feast and people are too busy to come to the table yeah we say that when all our options this guy's all his options were done it was either talk like that or be or be put out for being a being a traitor mm. he was a traitor and and uh and dave king david said you said enough you know and earlier he has said that he gave ziba all of his land yeah i saw that there and then they he gave it gave, all to him. Yeah. No, no. He gave Seba in earlier chapters. He goes, uh -huh. you can have all his land because now he's saying that Seba lied to him about him. But he didn't. He was, you know, he was already proclaiming that he was going to be the next king, this guy. And uh, and uh, King David said, you can have all of his land. And now David is saying, you can have half of it. Yeah, right. I see and that. And then the guy really doesn't care. He goes, he probably heard all he can have, though, all of it. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, interesting. That was a lot of land. Yeah, but it just also yeah. though it just kind of shows the capacity not to receive the blessing. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I, you know, this guy really sounds like he didn't feel like he was worthy. You know, if you look at him, he just didn't take care of himself. Uh huh. Looked at himself lame and crippled. Yes. You know, um, and remember, I think that's where, um, you know, because. David was keeping his vow to Jonathan, right? To take uh -huh. care of him. Yes. He invited him to come to the palace and stay. Uh -huh. So um, I think this, this guy's a little bit more on the needy, unworthy side. Kinda. Yes, yes. Um, anyway, but I saw little snippets of Jesus where the life is spared. Me and my relatives, you know, I can come to eat at your table. 
you know, and why Israel is it taking you so long to see who I am? I've come, I am the kingdom. I am that I am, you know, when he came, we see in the book of John that he just, is so there, you know, so, anyway. Um, the other thing I picked up was just how the people got all upset because the men of Judah were the ones taking care of the king as they came back, right? And they didn't seem too happy, the others didn't seem too happy because they said, we haven't eaten any of the king's food or received any of his special favors, you know, so they were very righteous men, and the other guys were probably lazy scoundrels, causing a fight. Yeah. Um, so what is that? So I, I was just saying that you know when we come to the table and and eat <clears throat> with the king, and we 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 believe he's done everything at the cross. There are favors over us. It just goes no, to we show. We want them. No, 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 no matter them. how many achievements and how many points, and you see that God is with you, there's still going to be people that are not going to, right. you know, and are right. going to honor the right. uh, the miracles of God. Look at all the miracles He had done, and then yeah. again He got His His kingdom back, yeah. and then He united the whole. Well, and I I like okay. So when you look at this, it says the men of Judah. Judah means praise. They were first. So as I was I was reading that it's just like praise ought to be first you know and praise goes like when when um, God would send uh, the tri the the tribe of Judah in the war and they put them in front they would always be in front and even um, you know I don't know praising does uh, does help you to win battles. Amen. Um, Amen. Thank the Lord. We to, praise you. We exalt you, know, you. We give you praise and thanks. To just praise the Lord because there's favor in it. Well, you also. know, just like when we need something, we praise Him and we thank Him and we worship Him and we trust in Him and we surrender in Him. You know, oh, you know, you know, seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The way of doing things. That's Amen. the way of doing things. Trusting Amen. in the Lord. Amen. Trusting in the Lord that He will provide cars, houses, riches, inheritances from fathers, you know, prudent spouses from the Lord, common sense spouses, you know, that you know go forward and, uh, in in Jesus' name, and we accomplish great victories for the kingdom of God. Kingdom Amen. of God. Amen. Amen. Whoa, I'm speaking on a high tower now. Okay, so John chapter 21, verse 1 to 25. Good segue into that. Um, later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the dis disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they all went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing in, on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work. 
Fishy, I guess, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the entire net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? <clears throat> yes, Lord, Peter said, <clears throat> you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you to where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he should glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked the Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not re contain the books that would be written. Amen. Amen. You know, I was just thinking about this AA guy in Antioch where he was a very rough individual. And he was talking about he just got out of this, got out of that. And he spoke a little uh, with little wisdom, a little common sense. So outside... He just gotten out of jail or some rough situation happened. And then I, I, I gave him a book and I told him, I said, you know, we're here to feed God's sheep. That's our job. And, go, and you look like Peter. He had a beard and so forth. Uh -huh. You know, uh, people will listen to you. You know, we have, we have duty here. And he goes, I'm going to turn myself in and get myself straight, you know, and, and do this. I go, you know, an hour and a half a day, this is our duty to encourage others 
They're going, you know, with these right words that give light and entrance into the heart to the simple. Mm -hmm. Simple or beat up with alcohol and drugs and wrong growing up, wrong uh, uh, households, with, you know, with all kinds of fears. And and so we, we straight them out with good words. You know, we're a ministry. AA is a ministry. It's a gather. Where love is, there's a ministry of God's hands. I love my work. Thank you, Faith. You do. God bless you. Okay, so anything? I know we've watched this many times on the Gospel of Well, the interesting thing about it is 153 fish, Mm -hmm. large fish, that meant a lot of money, thousands and thousands of dollars for the disciples. You know, they usually catch about 20, 20, and they go and they sell it at the market, and they, they, you know, they exchange it for, for goods. But this one... Is, is like having like us when we get $71,000. It's like, you know, that was a lot of money in a big, big fishes like that. Yeah. That you know, mm-hmm. in other words, their needs were going to be met all mm-hmm. through the month, Amen. even longer. They were all going to divide it, going to pay for the, for the boat and the supplies and the net mm-hmm. and, and give some to the local uh, synagogue. You know, they, they were givers. So yet, and, and the interesting thing is that I was thinking, how did Jesus come up with the charcoal? He came up yeah. with the uh, the fish and yeah, the cooked and the bread. bread. You know, he probably just blessed some of the rocks there, turned them into. <laughs> yeah, that's so and, awesome. And that is a beautiful, warms my heart that yeah. the Lord knows what what struggles you're going through. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and yeah, he has a anything, He's done that over and over again. You know, we're. Right. When we're singing songs to him, he goes, are you listening, Lord? You go listen. He goes, I got a coal and a fire and a dam listening to you here. <clears throat> well, I like that because, you know, um, they'd been out there all night and they hadn't caught anything. And then one touch of God, you know, switched everything in seconds. There was amazing amount of fish that were provided for <laughs> And the net didn't break. That was the other thing I thought that was very interesting. I like the way John said, all of a sudden it just dawned, it is the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Lord. Yeah. Who else can do this? Yeah. So, um, and, the, and then Peter was able with strength to take that net all by himself and pull it. I hadn't seen that before in the Word. All by himself he pulled that hundred. Those are big fish, it says. They weren't small and he little dragged sardines. the net. He into dragged the, the thing. net, and nothing, nothing broke. Now those I, lazy uh, disciples. Mm-hmm. I was wondering though. Um, so this is like the second net breaking, yeah, boat sinking load of fish that was given to these guys. Twice they saw that miracle of Jesus provide, right? So this is the second time that they saw that. So now what? the other one, the nets broke. This time, they didn't break. I, didn't, I don't remember the nets breaking. They were tearing, but... Well, I mean... They call other friends for help. Right. Because remember, there was so much they had to share, right? Yeah, yeah, plenty. I don't know. Whenever I hear the Joseph preach, he says, net breaking, boat sinking, load of fish. <laughs> That's what I picture in my head. So, but... That's uh, awesome. It's like the second time, you know, it's... God is just a God of abundance, too. He didn't say, let's just get 12 fish. It's like 153 large fish. Um, so, you know, when you read the, the scripture and you you have a 
you know, a narrow mind of who your God is when it comes to your finances, read this chapter here. Read the other chapter, you know, of how God loves to provide. Read the chapter where he multiplies the, the fish and the loaves, you know. And then you'll know. Right? Um, and I guess this is the one about the follow me part. Always, you know, really like, what about him? What's going to happen with him? You know, we do that a lot. What's that to you? Follow me. Not your business, right? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So don't take someone else's inventory. You know, right. don't worry about them. Right. You know, if we want to do something about another person, we can uh, hold them in prayer for 14 days, pray for their communication with God, their relationship with the Lord, their relationship with the Word of God, their relationship with uh, the blood and the water. We can do what they're not doing, the work that it requires to stay tuned up flared up about being a Christian here on earth and being of service then praying for their mother, their father, their children, their job, even their enemies for 14 days. You just soak them. If you're worried about somebody's actions, then get to work. You know, you're able to change it from, now you can change something in heaven secretly and then make cookies for the person secretly and then give it to them for the rest of your life, you'll you'll be delighted every time you see that person. Doesn't eat your lunch no more. You know you're just you know that you've done the work in heaven. Sounds good to me, huh? Okay, Psalm one twenty one <laughs> to seven. Amen. Um, I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to Him, and He answered my prayer. Rescue me, O Lord, from liars and from all deceitful people, O deceptive tongue. What will God do to you? How will he increase your punishment? You will be pierced with sharp arrows and burned with glowing coals. How I suffer in far off Meshesh. It pains me to live in distant Kedar. I'm tired of living among people who hate peace. I search for peace, but when I speak of peace, they want war. Amen. Proverbs 16, 16 to 17, how much better to get wisdom than gold and good judgment than silver. The path of the virtuous leads away from evil. Whoever follows that path is safe. Yes, amen. Now, when you're talking about Charles Spurgeon today, he said that uh, wisdom and knowledge is different. He goes, uh, <clears throat> when you have wisdom, you're able to use knowledge rightly, but when to know something... Is as foolish as a person that doesn't know it because his choices are always wrong. He's making his actions are wrong. So a fool, full of knowing, is a fool indeed. That's what Charles Spurgeon says. You can have all the failure experiences in the world, but if you continue not to capitalize on those experiences, you know, they are considered a fool. You know, you, you don't have wisdom to apply the experiences in life. That You know, you, you keep burning your hand on the stove and you haven't uh, graduated. So I, I believe uh, that's how wisdom is better than gold. You know, wisdom is better than gold because you can use your experiences and other people's experiences like King David's experiences of being a... We can use his experience to run our household, you know, being kind and generous and... 
One thing about King David, he was very um, tender-hearted. Mm. He treated the old man very carefully. He asked him to live with him. He treated others with very... And then he gave uh, the, the old man, the 80-year-old man, uh, his son. He's going to give him a degree in a college. He's going to give him... You know, he's going to make him very successful for his family. They were already a successful family. The old man that, that sent their provisions to the king, you know, they were all in completely. It's a beautiful story of King David. I don't want to meet King David when I go to heaven. Amen. And Peter, and they're going to have a long line, these guys, yeah. to, to talk to them, you know, and say hi to them. Amen. They're going to be celebrities in heaven. Anything. Yeah, I just was one thing about the the thing you talked about the simple the simple how the light gives entrance how entrance into the word gives light to the simple things in so life. Say it slow. The entrance the of entrance, thy word, word give it light. It's, it's Psalm one nineteen verse yeah. thirty, I believe. Right. So, even I think the proverbs give you that. You know, when you just read a quick line of it every day. Or read a proverb every day, but it says, "How much better is it to get wisdom than gold, and gold, and good judgment than sil than silver?" So, you know, it seems so hard, but get your wisdom and your understanding, and things will go simple for you. Yeah, it's uh, Psalm one nineteen verse one thirty says, "The entrance of your words give light; it gives understanding to the simple." Amen. Entrance. It's like entering a door, you know, something comes in the door and it's brilliant. So words yes. come in mm -hmm. and they're Amen. brilliant Amen. in your consciousness. Yeah, they're brilliant. They give light and instruction to the simple. And Charles Spurgeon, the great Charles Spurgeon from the 1800s said, Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. To know something is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater a fool for it. There is no fool so great as a fool as a knowing fool. <laughs> but to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. Charles Spurgeon. To know how to use knowledge. You know, I'm always seeking knowledge. I'm always seeking knowledge. But if I'm not going anywhere with it, you know, then I'm uh, I'm, just just, I'm deceiving myself. Right, just useless. I'm just trying to learn. I got all these books all over the place. What do you like to read, though? <sighs> you know, for someone that was skipping school, you sure like to read. <laughs> My mama said it was a miracle I learned to read and yeah. write. Yeah. Yeah. So it's okay. The you know, but then it also talks about you know we've been given everything. It pertains to life and godliness and that we become we, we grow in the knowledge of him and Jesus and I think your books help you do that as long as we're not law, law oriented you know don't do this don't do that just take a accept the grace of God rejoice finish work of Jesus amen thank you Jesus Lord we thank you for the entrance of your word it gives light to us Lord and it's a joy to our hearts Lord amen Amen.